Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recap podcast, Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I am one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hey, Jared. Hello. What's happening? Uh, not much. We got uh, a good S.H.I.E.L.D. episode uh, to talk about with some cool comic book connections and lots of yeah. pre-existing characters are introduced or, or introduced to the show uh, who have already been in the movies. Yeah, which is so cool. I love it when they do that because we don't get a ton of that and we definitely don't get the reverse. So <laughs> give us anything. We'll take it. Yeah. All the connections um, we can get, I think we're desperate for at this point. Exactly. So for some business, if you have not watched through the end of season five, that is okay because uh we do have a spoiler section, but it's not till the very end and we will announce it. So you have time to turn the episode off and go watch the rest of S.H.I.E.L.D. We do mention some of the movies. So I hope at this point everyone is caught up through Infinity War. Um, definitely at least Winter Soldier and I think probably through Ultron. Yeah, I don't think there's much beyond that. What is beyond that? Ragnarok? No, Iron Man's already done. I should really get a list instead of trying to sit here and think through it. Um, how about we get going and talk about season one, episode seven, The Hub. <laughs> so this episode was written by Rafe Judkins and Lauren LaFranc, directed by Bobby Roth, originally aired November 12th, 2013. And we start out this episode somewhere. You know what? Um, oh, oh, I did want to mention what's kind oh. of cool. Uh, one thing where this is uh, one of the rare instances, I think, of convergent uh, evolution in a weird way for Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel comic book universe. Because the hub as a S.H.I.E.L.D. location is an important part of this episode. You know, it's the, the title of the right. episode. Uh, and is introduced, like you said, in November 2013, as is the first appearance of the hub in Captain oh. America, Volume 7, Issue 11. Also published in November 2013. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. Like it's just a, a tiny little little tidbit because most of the time one uh, thing precipitates the other. You know, it, right, it's either, right. it brought in like like you know we get Fitz and Simmons and May were all brought in from from the show into the comics, whereas well every other major character pretty much is brought in from. Well, except for Coulson, who was brought in from the movies, but every other major character is brought in, you know, from the comics originally, not to the comics. So it's right. It's kind of cool to see something that they planned, maybe it's like to concurrent get. Yeah. timeline. Yeah, that's what Jeff Loeb, working on both comic books and TV, gets you. <laughs> oh, good to know. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's kind of neat. Marvel doesn't have like a story group type, you know, like Lucasfilm does for Star Wars. Like they, it's just kind of. Yeah. There's no creative cohesion necessarily. Right. I mean, the, like the comics are definitely connected and they look to them a lot, but they don't, they're not w coming from one central source the same way. And mm -hmm. the cohesion, like you said, even continuity wise, Mar Marvel is much more like every other fictional universe, even though, even though they pioneered the, uh, the shared cinematic universe, usually when they do adaptations, you know, the comic books don't inform the TV and, and vice versa, but Star Wars kind of, I feel like took the idea of connecting the movies and TV shows that we get started with shield and, yeah. and just when, when they were purchased by Disney, they, they liked that and really followed that lead in a way that we haven't gotten, but, but it's similar because the TV yeah. shows 
have a, a informed the movies just a little bit with like Saw, Saw Guerrera and Star Wars and, you know, and Rogue One. But for the most part, it's very much the same where the movies dictate what happens in the other media more than anything else. Yeah. And, and, uh, and yeah, Star Wars has that extreme cohesion, but it's almost like uh, Marvel has three categories instead where it's the mm-hmm. comics, the TV and the movies and the TV and the movies are very tightly knit together. But at the same time, they are separate where Kevin Feige is in charge of the films. And then the, uh, the TV is, is split between Ike Perlmutter, who's directly in charge of it, but kind of hands it over to Jeff Loeb, who is a comic book uh, television and film author. He wrote uh, Teen Wolf mm. and uh, Commando, I think maybe. And he also wrote some of the most successful comic books of the 90s, like Batman The Long Halloween, which was really huge. And he's been a long time uh, collaborator with uh, the guy Tim Sale, who was the artist on Batman The Long Halloween, as well as uh, Ed McGinnis. And they've had really successful runs at a, a, all over Marvel. Like they've uh, had runs, I think, on Hulk for lengthy periods of time. He, he created a new version of this character, Nova, together. Uh, but so he, because he does have that deep uh, and current connection with comics, I think that's where stuff like the, uh, the Hub premiering on television mm-hmm. and in comics the same month uh, comes from. That's kind of neat. Even though they don't have that centralized uh, story group, the way they have it divided up is still connected and still they still communicate. So the, these yeah. kinds of things are, are uh, cool to see. That is cool. I like that. I I I, I like that fan servicey stuff. <laughs> like, uh, I know in our other fandom, in our Star Wars fandom, some people kind of get annoyed when there's like these odd references, and especially like when you're looking at Marvel properties when comic book references are like pulled in. And I mean, like you're the you're the you're the king of that of kind of recognizing and seeing stuff like that, even though it's like not necessarily the same. It is like inspired by. I love that stuff. I don't understand why people don't aren't into that. No, usually I really enjoy it. And it's weird. It's like it's the ones that are less significant sometimes, and they don't feel forced in where they're just mentioned because they they, they fit a set decoration that I enjoy. Like the random comic book stuff that's a little different, but there. I usually enjoy that more than when they really try to contort a story or a character or, or, or a story point to fit into something like, like for example, uh, to sidetrack a a bit, uh, like in solo uh, star Wars, I felt like there was too much of that for me. Like it was just so much of it was referencing what we already know about Han Solo. Like it was just nonstop. Whereas the really, really random stuff, like there's a reference to a video game called Terrace Kasi. It's a fighting game. And that made me laugh, burst out laughing. And I was just like filled with joy that they mentioned it because it made sense in the story. But it's also like there's no need to mention that other than for like 60 nerds who yeah. play that on PlayStation <laughs> or whatever. But, but it's funny and it made me laugh. And so I definitely I don't think it is a bad thing. I feel like it can be overdone. And there's this weird reference culture where all where someone feels clever just for mm. referring to something <laughs> where it's like, hey, remember this? Yeah. Thing? Whereas like. And someone feels clever for recognizing it too. Right. So there's just like this back and forth kind of gatekeepy weird. Yeah, thing. it can definitely <laughs> do that gatekeepy thing too. Where like, oh, you didn't notice that? Well, you must not be a real fan. It's like that's preposterous, oh. though. It's like, it, and it 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 ends up taking away enjoyment because it's about like superiority instead of actually just enjoying the product. But yeah. I think it can definitely be fun. And I like this, like all the references and characters in this, and and the fact that the hub 
was engineered to premiere on both at the same time. Like that's that to me is neat. It doesn't it doesn't detract anything, and it doesn't feel like they didn't go up. But it, it was the point of his story. It wasn't forced. Yeah. It was what they did. <laughs> so. Definitely. Um, so let's get to the hub. Um, we start out in this like unknown location. It's like a dark um, corridor. There's a man in a suit that has a bag over his head and he's being dragged to this room and uh, he gets the bag pulled off his head and it's Coulson. Um, and the dudes that are holding him captive are Russian. They start speaking in Russian and this guy that is clearly in charge walks in. He has all these torture tools and Coulson starts talking to him in English and it's a shield agent. It's agent Shaw. And this is an extraction mission. So they get him out of there and they get him to the bus and it all is well. Um, so while they're on the bus, Simmons pulls this Intel, uh, this little like capsule thing that he hid in his nasal cavity. She pulls it out of his nasal cavity. It is really gross. Um, Fitz is our window into how gross it is, as usual. Um, and she is very excited that they're going to be delivering this Intel to the hub. It's been a while since she's been there. Um, and while we're still on the bus, we kind of learn through Sky again about the clearance levels. They were mentioned in the pilot, and I don't think we have come back to them until this episode. So um, we learn that Coulson is level eight, and May and Ward are level seven, and all the kids are level five, except for Sky, who is not yet a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. She is no level. <laughs> um, and... So we go to the hub and they're kind of walking through in skies and kind of amazement of all the technology and just like how big this place is. And Simmons like, wait till you see the Triskelion, which I don't think we see until Winter Soldier, if I am not mistaken in the films. Um, I don't know. Might see it before then. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll... Do we see it in an Iron Man film? I don't remember. I'm gonna but it is... It a movie reference and whether this came first or it came first in the films, it's still cool to see that tie in. Um, Cause clearly it's this, this is shield. And so they're going to be going to different shield outposts. <laughs> um, at this point, Jasper Sitwell, who's played by Maximiliano Hernandez makes an appearance. Uh, that's one of our first uh, or no. Cause we had, we've had a couple, this is a, adding onto the list of film roles coming into shield to make an appearance um we also meet victoria hand who is played by saffron burrows she's the lady that has the cool red streaks in her hair who's very badass um so agent hand starts going over the data recovered by agent shaw and basically they need to go disable this dangerous weapon in the caucus mountains or it will be bad (laughs) essentially there's like a separatist movement going on and they're going to try and cause all these weapons that within the vicinity a a range of this super weapon to go off through like ultrasound technology i was gonna say uh to backtrack i did confirm you were 100 percent correct the triskelion which i know uh, originated with the uh the ultimates which in many ways like uh the samuel jackson playing nick fury was directly inspired by the way he was drawn in the ultimates uh, oh, cool. But uh, it's something that was inspired by this version of, of Avengers. And its initial reference for the MCU is this episode. And it does not, I think, actually appear, like you said, until uh, Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier. And then it appears again in two subsequent episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season, uh, nice. leave, it is mentioned uh, in, a, in a later episode before it appears. 
and then like chronologically is in flashbacks in ant-man and in season two shield oh, yeah. so but this is the introduction of it for a, not really a spo- no plot spoiler just appearance of a location but triskelion uh did make his first appearance here that's very cool that is cool. I like that. I didn't clock that. I didn't think of that just because it's so like <laughs> intrinsic to Shield at this point. Like I just didn't think. Yeah, of that. that's, that's excellent. Well, I know it's funny because I didn't think about it either until we just had our conversation about like cross referencing and you know origin of references and all that. So <laughs> that, that, that's that's a really cool one where they they got they, they get to pretend because of advanced planning. But it's something they pull from the show. To we we, we can pretend yeah, yeah. there's something from the show is in the <laughs> movies. Yep, but in reality, the show was already. I mean, the movie was well right. into production and probably like being released very quickly at this point because it came out in the movie. Yeah, or like January maybe. January. I can't remember now. So long ago. Five years is too long. Gosh, <laughs> for just memory. It was before uh, Force Awakens. It's nuts. Oh, that is nuts. That's so crazy. Um. Oh my God! All right. So, um. Okay. So there's this super weapon. They have to go disable it, and they need two agents from Coulson's team, which are Ward, obviously, and they need someone that can actually disable the weapon. So that leaves Fitz, and Q Fitz getting stuck in this automatic glass door with this like tray or like this uh, cart of stuff, and he's like screaming about it and frustrated, and everyone's watching him like, oh my God, this is the guy we're sending off into dangerous territory. <laughs> so on the bus, Gemma Simmons is very worried about Fitz uh, because he is clearly most likely not prepared to go on this mission. Um, and Fitz is kind of being cute and he's like, don't do anything rash while I'm gone. Like jump out of an airplane. Haha. <laughs> and so I don't know. We just start to see a little bit more of their relationship develop and just this warmth between the two of them. And also Simmons made Fitz his favorite sandwich to take with him on his mission, which is very cute. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. The, the discussion we'll, of the sandwich is excellent. Yes, we'll get to the sandwich yes, there's, in, there's, a, in a few a minutes. There's a line in there. It's so good. <laughs> excellent. Chef's kiss. Um, so somewhere in the Caucasus Mountains, Fitz and Ward are doing their spy stuff, and Ward walks into this pub to meet this contact that he has named Yuri. They walk in, and uh oh, Yuri is dead, and they are captured by the people that now run this this outpost, this pub. Um, so back at the hub, Coulson and Hand are talking about his recovery and how he, you know, part of his recovery was getting the bus. And he's like, no, you know, it's not that. It's, you know, whatever. And Hand's like, no, no, not everyone gets sent to Tahiti. And Coulson says it's a magical place. He stops himself. He does. It's, it's like a horror movie moment. Or he realizes that he keeps saying this whenever someone mentions Tahiti and he's like, wait, why am I saying this every time? It's, uh, he knows something's up. He's got the heebies and the jeebies. Yes, he does. So back in the Caucasus Mountains, Ward and Fitz are tied up in a, in a storage room and this woman walks in and she's speaking English to them and she's like, you know, I operate off of trust. I don't trust you guys. You're useless to me. And they pull a gun to, to kill them and then the power goes out. Oh, no. <laughs> what will happen? Um, back at the hub, Sky is having a major problem with this hierarchy of information, and she wants to hack the hub to find out about the mission that Fitz and Ward have been sent on. And she's trying to talk 
talk Simmons into helping her. And Simmons goes, I can't be a part of your bad girl shenanigans. <laughs> Which cracked me up. She's no, just so she, like proper. No, and I feel like almost to a not quite parody level, but close yeah. to in that in yeah. that moment. Like like it's like she's like <gasps> she's aghast at the nose. She is aghast and it's great. I love it. Um, so back in the Caucasus Mountains, uh, Fitz saves the day for the pub by fixing the power so they can finish watching the game and endearing himself to this woman in charge. And he immediately switches from sweet, you know, helpful Fitz to spy Fitz. And he's like, let's talk business. He's getting pretty good at the spy stuff. Um, so they talk business and they get over the border and they're in this truck. And then all of a sudden there's a bunch of gunshots and they have to run away again. <laughs> it's always something. So back on the bus, May is doing Tai Chi in some hallway and Coulson comes over and he starts venting to her about how he like kind of agrees with Sky that, you know, this is kind of fucked up and they should know where where their where their team is. But also he knows he needs to trust the process. and He leaves without May ever saying a word. And as he's walking away, he's like, thanks, May. This is really helpful. And she just rolls her eyes. And it's it's a great moment <laughs> back in the hub. Sky and Simmons get to an access panel to plug in Sky's USB drive so she can hack the hub without them knowing, because she still has that fancy bracelet on, without them knowing that she is actually doing it. But Sitwell shows up, and there's this incredibly embarrassing situation where Simmons is trying to like play it off like she's supposed to be there, and then she kind of starts trying to flirt with him. And oh my god, I like couldn't. I had to like hide my face while I was watching this. And she ends up just taking the night night gun that's in her bag and shoots Agent Sitwell. And so he is knocked out on the floor and is horrified. She runs to Sky, who's like standing in this hallway because she can't get into that room. She doesn't have clearance. And Sky's like, go get May. Go tell her it was an accident. Basically, go get mom. Get- mom will fix this. <laughs> um, now that Sky has access to this panel, she has a minute to hack in uh, to the system to find out what's going on with the mission. But she finds her redacted file and she has this moment where she has to decide what she's going to do. And so she actually does give up on the file and she looks into the mission instead. Uh, and she finds out that there is not going to be an extraction. So what the fuck? They've sent them to their death. So back in the caucus, Fitz and Ward are hiding in this giant pipe and Fitz pulls out the sandwich that Gemma made for him and Ward gets pissed <laughs> and throws it in the water because there's dogs that are out searching for them and they'll smell the prosciutto. So Fitz is so outraged and starts, you know, just hammering into Ward on how he always has to be the guy to save today. You know, you destroyed the world's most dangerous sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite line. I think I, I really like Fitz by the, what is it, third season? Yeah, it's third season, right, where he has a really big arc that's kind of character defining. Is that right? Yeah. I don't want to give anything away. But, I, but I, and I've liked him before that. But from the, I mean, there's some – he goes through a lot of stuff. Yeah. All these characters do. But but, but that line is like the beginning a great- of, it, 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 of me just loving this, <laughs> this character because he's so exasperated. And it just it's clever, but it's not like movie pat- – a lot of Joss Whedon's clever lines – no one would yeah. ever really say. I love Buffy. I do. I like his work a lot. But like a lot of the patter that people love in Avengers makes me roll my eyes. And I feel like maybe it's like from loving his work and watching all of it up to that point, 
It's like I watched Dollhouse, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Eliza Dushku reading yeah. all these lines, like reading all these Tony Stark lines. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, but this felt—it's just—it's funny, it's relaxed, it's natural, and uh, Ian DeCasticker does a he does really great job <laughs> as 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 uh, Fitz, and and it's the like he's got this weird dynamic with Ward that's becoming—I feel like it's also very real because it's becoming like a big brother yeah. little brother dynamic. Yeah. Where he looks up to Ward and he likes him and he wants him to like him, but he's also infinitely exasperated by what a lunkhead <laughs> Ward is. And Ward is infinitely exasperated by what a, a newbie and Rube as a spy he is. I think it, it I, I can relate to it as an educator and nanny. Like when you're dealing with someone who's really smart, but either childish or just ignorant of what they're doing because they are a kid or, or, or have never done it before. It's frustrating. Cause do you like wish they already, do you wish that their reasoning skills could just be applied to something that they have exactly. no context for? Cause it's like, like he should know better than to bring a freaking sandwich to his stupid stakeout or a spy mission. You never bring a, right. a sack lunch on a spy mission. This has never happened in any James <laughs> Bond movie. Has he never like unpacked? Oh, and Fitz was just so excited and was trying to be generous and offer this half of his sandwich oh, to no, Ward. He's so sweet. It's, it's, oh, and he's like bragging about it. And like, it's really great character building for him and, uh, and Gemma just because, you know, their friendship and how close they are. He talked about it and, like how it's her favorite. It's his very, very favorite sandwich. And it's so specific and like with just a hint of pesto aioli. And then, yeah, slight spoiler. She describes it exactly the same way, like other in other moments. Yeah. Like it's just very sweet. It shows like they're very, they're very good friends. They're very, very close in a special way. With and no, this is it's it's character building and it's comedic it really gold. Is. It's a it's a great like it, it. It all takes place in like three minutes or less, it's but it's just, like a, it's, it's so very good. very funny. And I mean, Ward has a great point. Like dogs are searching. Like this is not okay. Oh, no, he's totally but Fitz right. also has a great point. Like literally, like you're taking out your frustration on this sand. Sandwich and having to be the guy, the guy that's always right about the mission or whatever, which is funny because I think this scene actually started out with Fitz explaining to Ward or no, maybe it was when they were in the truck. I can't remember now, but um, how he actually had this like little like, I don't know, like a some kind of sonic wave thing that disrupted the power in the pub. And so Fitz actually like planned out this whole thing where he was going to do that and then fix it for them. And that's how he was going to um, gain their trust. And so Fitz like is proving to be a capable agent, but he Ward still thinks he has a long way to go. <laughs> it's very it's true. true. <laughs> so anyway, um, I know this isn't part of this scene, but I wanted to mention it just because it was like a quick bit to another edit. Um, and it's just harder for me to go back and forth. So they, they end up going and laying on the ground in this like weird sleeping bag thing that's magnetized apparently. So they, they stick to this bottom of this truck so they can get into the compound where the weapon is. Meanwhile, back on the hub, Sky and Coulson are talking. They're both pissed and kind of for good reason on both ends. And Sky tells Coulson that there's no extraction plan for Ward and Fitz. And Coulson's like, look, you got to trust the system. And he says, one day I may have to trust you with a secret and I have to know that you can keep it. And she's like, do you, do you know? Did you know that there was no extraction plan? And he's kind of he doesn't give an answer, which kind of leads you to believe that he didn't know that. So back in the caucus, 
mountains uh ward and fitz are in they're in the compound um ward goes to signal extraction and he doesn't get a signal back so he knows that they're not coming for them um and fitz kind of uses this weird x-ray cling wrap on the wall (laughs) so that uh, they can infiltrate or they can see like how many people they have to fight through and (laughs) there's this funny moment where ward He's like, oh, there's two guys. Oh, wait, there's three guys. And clearly Ward is the, the third guy. And he's like, wait, the the third guy is like taking everyone down. What's going on? Ward, what's happening? And he turns around. Ward's not there because Ward is already in the room. And he opens the door. And he's like, come here, hurry up. <laughs> Ward, the ever capable agent, Fitz is always falling behind. So they get to the weapon and Fitz gets to work. And Fitz is almost finished. And Ward's trying to warn Fitz, you know, like, they're not coming for us. Like, you should leave. Like, I can finish this and I'll, I'll come out. I'll come after you. And Fitz goes, I'm not leaving. I'm every bit the shield agent that you are, which is like, I mean, Fitz is clearly trying to prove something here, but also that line is just, it's true. Like Fitz is a very capable agent and he's like coming more and more into his own. But Ward says this line, I know you would have jumped out of the plane to save Simmons. And she knows that too, which is like a really sweet moment between the two of them. It's just this like, and it's cute, too, because like in a previous scene, Ward talks about how Coulson told him to watch out for Fitz. And then in this scene, Fitz mentions Coulson having a chat with him, telling him he had to watch out for Ward. Like, so I don't know. It's cute. And I hate it. <laughs> I, I, I got I to put a pin in that. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. Because um, it is very cute and very sweet. And I also hate it very much. Yeah. So back in the hub, um, Coulson confronts Agent Hand and is like, uh, I'm level eight. How come I didn't know there was no extraction plan? And Hand mentions, you know, Barton and Romanoff never have an extraction plan, which is kind of a cool uh, movie reference and comics reference for Hawkeye and and. Uh, Black Widow. And Coulson talks about basically like it's like this consent conversation. Like, you know, they know going in that they don't have an extraction plan. Like my team had the right to know. And then Hand is like, well, you know, how did you even find this information? Because you have that like hacker like tag along as part of your team that is still not a shield agent. (laughs) Like a lot of good points are made on both sides. But Coulson's not happy because his team is at risk. His two teammates are at risk. And so we're back on the bus and May and Simmons and Sky are walking onto the bus and May was totally down to go against orders and go after the guys um, to extract them. And Coulson's already on the bus and they're all ready to go get their get their friends. So back in the Caucasus Mountains, Fitz and Ward are trying to fight their way out as S.H.I.E.L.D. is bombing the compound. Ward sees their extraction team come and Fitz is kind of like, oh, extraction's here. And Ward goes, better. It's the cavalry. May's here. Um, and May takes out all these dudes with guns with the engines of the bus, like from the blowback of the engines. Everyone just like blows them all to the ground. It's kind of funny. Very no, simple. It's a, good, it's, a, it's a good moment. Simple and effective. It's a very good moment. So we're back um, in the hub and Sitwell and Hand are having this weird moment. And Sitwell comes in, he says something like, I thought there wasn't going to be an extraction. And I was kind of curious like what you thought about this. And we can talk about this in the spoiler section if you feel like that's a better place. I think maybe. Okay, we'll wait then. And we'll talk about it in the spoiler section. Just because I was like unsure on how to interpret this situation. So we'll get to that in a second. So back on the bus, Ward and Fitz are being buds. And Ward is like, I was in good hands. And then Fitz and Simmons reunite. And she's very proud of him. And he's very happy to see her. And she's like, I shot a superior officer in the chest. And Fitz is kind of horrified. 
but it is true. <laughs> Simmons did do a bad thing. Colson goes to talk to Skye and he lets her know that he found the redacted file um, from from her uh, being dropped off at the orphanage. And he mentions that it's not technically about her, but the file is about a shield agent that drops Skye off at the orphanage. And that's kind of all he knows. And there's this really sweet emotional moment with Skye and Colson. And he's like, I'm sorry, that's all I could find. And she's like, you're sorry? And she like gives him this big hug and has tears in her eyes and this is clearly like all she's wanted and Coulson's doing everything that he can well as far as she knows to help her and it's funny because in this next scene May is reading the file and Coulson comes in and she's like you didn't tell her why and he says some secrets are meant to stay secret May kind of has this guilty look on her face but she agrees to help Coulson dig into Sky's past but she also looks like she's holding something back which uh Maybe she is. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. So at the very, the very, uh, I don't know what, what to call these scenes. The outro scenes. A stinger. Stinger. Okay. So the stinger scenes. It's a, it's a TV production kind of okay. uh, t- term for it. Okay. Cool. I know nothing about that, so I'm glad you're aware of the terminology. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, so in the stinger scene, I'm going to start using that all the time now. Uh, Coulson is in his office on the phone, and he, which I think is a little weird, like phone acts, you know telecom phone access to get files whatever anyway he's requesting access to files about his recovery and he says uh, it took place in Tahiti turns out he does not have access to his own files and end scene dun 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 he is not <laughs> super like that yeah which I I can empathize with like that would be really upsetting like at your yeah. job uh, yeah. yeah so yeah no transparency I know well I mean it is a spy network I don't know. Maybe it should be expected. <laughs> so um, this episode, we got lots of movie and comics references. So I don't know if you want to jump right into that. Sure. I could start with Jasper Sitwell is an interesting character. I believe his first appearance was Strange Tales 144. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when it was uh, all about the Hulk. Oh, okay. And he's a Hulk supporting character because a lot of these, a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents were because S.H.I.E.L.D. was hunting down the Hulk. Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, the character is played by Maximiliano. Hernandez. Hernandez. And uh, it was excellent in both the movies and in the S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes he's in. He is a white blonde dude with a flat top. (laughs) Uh, the only real physical thing they have in common is glasses and the, oh, wow. you know, cis males. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's about it. So he's played by a Latino American and portrayed as a Latino American, which is cool. Uh, and he's not explicitly Mormon in the show, but he could be, I suppose. But yeah. in the comics, he is one of the very few Mormon characters. In general, religion is very like if if a character is anything at all, they they have no denomination attached for the most part in the comics. Occasionally, you have a Catholic character, uh, mm-hmm. you have uh, Jewish characters and whatnot. And as time has gone on, we have a, a lot better representation. You know, there's there's more and more instances of uh, both high profile and and more kind of uh, lower under the radar, but still, I think very uh, legitimate and well thought out uh, representation for all sorts of religious views, including atheism and agnosticism. And uh, I, I definitely appreciate that they, they do better, but it's kind of interesting. Like I think 
for whatever reason, it's just kind of put in there before by creators, but he is uh, super it, random. It is. <laughs> it seems. And there's something else about Jasper that I want to mention when we get to the spoiler section, sort of, but I guess eh, it doesn't really spoil anything. Just the original appearances of a <laughs> sky in the comics feature an interrogation by Jasper oh. in uh, the Secret War comics that she's introduced in. And it's, it, it's, uh, it's told uh, via like text, it's a, a documentation. As a report of this interrogation, and uh, it's like the backup throughout throughout this miniseries. Like, like there's the, these different uh, interrogations and recaps of missions and whatnot, written in the style. And and, and uh, there, there's a few things to talk about him in the spoiler section. But other than that, uh, he first appeared in the movies. He was in a bunch of them. Yeah, he was in Thor. He was in some of the short films before the uh, the Shield. A movie like Item Forty Seven or The Shield Show uh, and The Consultant, which what? I, think- there, I didn't know there were short. What? Oh, did we? Yeah, there's 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 stuff that connects uh, the movies to Peggy Carter and to the Hulk movie and what? all this stuff. Yeah, he's in one called The Consultant, which takes place after The Incredible Hulk, and they're basically discussing what to do with. Uh, the abomination with the bad guy from the Incredible Hulk and how they kind of wanted him to be part of the Avengers initiative. Crazy. I didn't know these existed. Yeah, And then he's in another one called Item 47, which is like, I think it it leads into S.H.I.E.L.D. almost directly with uh, the Shatori gun. Or that that might have been during the, the show. I'm not sure when that one came out, but he's also in the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. And then he's in Winter Soldier, obviously. Which... Right, which is after this, but yeah. connected directly to this. Yes, definitely. He, I feel like, is the, is our best connection in a while. I agree, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's our Jasper connection. The other character from the comics, uh, who is really big this episode, is the head of the of the hub is Victoria Hand. And Victoria Hand is introduced originally uh, in Invincible Iron Man number eight in 2008. Uh, she was cre- created by uh, Brian Bendis and Mike Diodato. And she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who was an accountant. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, was an accountant who was promoted because of her, you know, attention to detail and skills. And eventually is she's kind of brought up into the, through the ranks in a storyline where uh, Norman Osborn, you know, the mm-hmm. Green Goblin, uh, has become a like media darling and has taken over and replaced S.H.I.E.L.D. with a new department called Hammer. He sarcastically jokes about how Hammer stands for nothing. He just oh my God. thought it should be called Hammer. But he promotes her and makes her his second in command. And people are always very skeptical of her because he's this like secret supervillain that all the heroes have to report to and undermine and eventually does turn on everybody. They all like don't know where her loyalties lie but she is a legitimate hero throughout her appearances in marvel comics and eventually she dies in battle like helping save the avengers and captain america has a statue commissioned of her to be put in front of avengers headquarters because she was a member of the team yeah it's interesting that that's kind of her i guess origin when she's positioned in this episode is antagonistic to Coulson's team. I mean, like if you look at it big picture, not from the perspective of Coulson's team, like she's just doing her job and she's like doing what she should be doing. 
but yeah, interesting that she's kind of she's always positioned or, that way. Yeah, that's it's, she, she. She's positioned as not a bad guy, but as someone in a position of authority that like people bump their heads against. That yeah, the, the heroes have to face, and she's. Uh, I I don't remember if they mentioned it in this episode because I I don't did, I did only watch it once. Whereas I've been usually been doing these twice when I do my notes the second time. But do they make reference to her being out in this episode? She's an openly um, lesbian character. As well. Oh, no, they she's, don't make reference to that. I don't know if they ever make reference to that, actually. I'm not sure if they do either in the show, but but she is in the comics like uh, from, from the very beginning. I think she oh, had nice. her first appearance. They refer to her partner, Isabel. Oh, uh, cool. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Victoria Hand is a cool, powerful, not like morally ambiguous, but like while heroic by the book hero and an out gay woman in the comics. And it's pretty rad. Cool. I like that. I like her even more now. She was an excellent character. She's like, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of like, I mean, she's she's a prominent character. Especially this In the season. show, yeah. Um, but I kind of like, I don't know, like she's just kind of there <laughs> to me. But now that I know a little bit of her backstory, she's I like her. And I have to pay attention to her more now. Yes. Yeah, and Saffron Burroughs does a good job, even though she is more she in the background on this. Like, I wish they would have uh, utilized her more before the S.H.I.E.L.D. agency kind of shifts. As we go to spoiler territory, Yeah, the, <laughs> the nature of the show changes from season to season. And so I feel like they, they they missed an opportunity to use her more readily, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, one real quick thing before we do go into spoiler territory. Yes. Um, it, it seemed like this should have been a filler episode again, but it had a lot of relationship building moments, especially between Fitz and Ward um, and even um, Sky and Simmons, to be honest. And we kind of saw like the inner workings of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, bureaucracy, I guess you could say. And we do start to unravel the mystery of Sky's past and um, Coulson's death and recovery. So um, not a ton happening with like the main storyline, I guess, but important stuff is happening, which yeah, and, I like. And, and characters are being set up. They're going to come back. Yes, Definitely. Yeah, they're kind of setting up like a bigger picture for the organization as I feel well. Like this this one was one where they were adept at doing, like you said, like character stuff is is good and, and the overall story doesn't move as forward, but they're I think they're like subtly uh, setting up the chessboard a little bit. I guess yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, so having said that, we will move into spoiler territory so we can be free and talk openly and you can listen openly. So if you have not watched through the end of season five, please pause, go do that and come back and listen. You have been warned. Okay. Jasper's <laughs> stuff gets pretty cool in the comics and in the show and movies. I don't know. Not as, it happens. It's, it's, and it's pretty heavy because he's just full on Hydra in the show. Yeah. And they even have a flashback to like his Hydra training as a, as a young man. Like he is super Hydra as time goes on. And in the, in the yeah. comic, it's, it's actually a reference to a story arc, in, I think in the late 80s, where there was a Hydra deal and there were Delton, uh, what do you call it? Droid replacements, but is referred to, you know, later, much mm. later on with, with uh, Ada. They do have a Hydra invasion where people are brainwashed. And yeah. Jasper Sitwell is one of the loyal uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who is brainwashed so they can undo his his reveal as a Hydra spy later on because people wanted to use him and bring him back. So he is not actually Hydra in the comics. He eventually dies in the in the field of duty. Uh, he is protecting Nick Fury. Mm. He's shot in the head. He's brought back 
once again, in a less cheesy way than a lot of comic books, a lot of comic book stuff, it's a, oh, it was a fake. Oh, especially in S.H.I.E.L.D. It was a life model decoy. Oh, there's all these different excuses. Uh, the way they bring him back is pretty rad. There's a a shield an ongoing shield spinoff now it's named shield that you know originates with nick fury and the original nick fury comics are nick fury and his howling commandos and it takes place mm-hmm. in world war ii they didn't they weren't created until later but they took place in world war ii and they were soldiers it was easy company it was his under his command and he was colonel nick fury i think back then and he was he had this group of people they were called the howling commandos dum dum dugan who appears in mm-hmm. some of the shorts and in the movies as well is a connection to shield and to the captain america world war ii era like they keep him they keep him and his involvement but they they cut out nick fury for obvious reasons so yeah uh they don't have to explain his immortality and what right <laughs> which yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> the name howling commandos is used then by Marvel as the supernatural branch of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they have a, a division called the Howling Commandos that I think are vi- eventually they, they divide it up so much. They have all these different things. Uh, what is it? SWORD, the acronym uh, S-W-O-R-D. I don't remember what it stands for, but it's the space version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, there, there's all these different things. WAND, I think, deals with magic, maybe. Armor oh my God. <laughs> uh, does dimensional uh, travel and invasions from other dimensions. And so this undead, like supernatural version is called state. Uh, and I don't remember oh what it, that stands for, but Jasper Sitwell comes back as a member of the Howling Commandos and one of the liaisons between shield and stake as a zombie. So he is currently in Marvel wow. comics, the, the blonde uh, Mormon version as a zombie. Wow. I kind of love, uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. So it's so silly. <laughs> it's so it's comic. super comic booky and goofy and weird, but I, I enjoy it. A great deal. So funny. And, and yeah, like I, I already revealed Victoria Hand's fate. She dies also in, in battle. Basically, if you're not Nick Fury, you're going to die in battle if you're a shield agent. It happened, yeah. to, it happened to Coulson in the comics. You know, it's a Deadpool killed him. Oh, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. Fuck. Like, it made everybody turn on Deadpool. Like, they're like, all right, we've like, let you be a hero for a while, but you fucking killed Coulson. Yeah. Our we'll beloved never, Coulson. We'll, we'll forgive you for this. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but it's when Captain America was split into a Nazi Captain America and a real oh. Captain America in that awful story. Yeah. And so everyone thought that the Nazi Captain America was the real him. So Deadpool was taking orders from him, not knowing he was a Hydra agent thinking he was the real cap so he thought he thought he was saving america by killing colson so complicated it's just so sad too like i i wouldn't kill anybody ever but maybe if captain america told me (laughs) (laughs) like it's like the one guy i trust if chris Chris evans came in the outfit right now with the gun was like if you don't kill that guy right now it's gonna be bad for for all these little kids or whatever i'd be like oh shit like i gotta do it that's so true poor deadpool all right. Now it's complicated and I feel bad for everyone involved. <laughs> it's super sad. And I'm sure Colson will be back within a couple of years cause, yes. because <laughs> comic books. And he already has a history of coming back from Tahiti or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> as he's trying to figure out. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh man! I mean, there's non-comic book uh, spoilery stuff that's cool too to talk about. I just, I just wanted to talk about Fitz and Ward because this episode was super heavy on their relationship building, and it's like there's so many sweet moments between them, and they're just like both lifting each other up and being like big brother, little brother dynamic, like what you were saying before. And then ugh, it just makes me so upset because we know what's coming, and we know how horribly he betrays them, and Fitz is just devastated by it. He trusted him and looked up to him so 
much. And you can't help but feel in this episode, even though I know what's coming, I was really like touched by those moments. And I hate it. <laughs> no, me too. Like it, they, they hurt because he is, he's treating him like family and they're like brothers, but you know, it's so messed up. And like when he's super sweet, when he's like, like I know you would have done it and she does too. Like that's like, oh, screw you, you jerk. Because he, because he literally uses it to mess with them later. Like, oh, he's so manipulative. And you just know that, you know how messed up he is. Like both of us, I think we have this weird ability to have some sympathy for him, even though we hate him, <laughs> like even though we won't yeah. forgive him. Especially it's yeah. even made crazier by the weirdness from the, the framework. Oh my God, I'm so confused. Like, like our, our feelings <laughs> for Ward will never be normal. Between, no. between the fact that Ward himself was an extremely complex, though vile human. And then there's the whole bit with him being being turned into hive and he's not even him anymore oh. so then he's just it's just his face is this awful faceless evil entity then he's super awesome and framework like, like it's just not fair it's not it's not it's an emotional roller coaster they, they know exactly what they're doing like they're they're yes monsters. <laughs> they are monsters emotional terror no, and, and it was wasn't until the introduction of hive that i really it was one of the things other things i wanted to mention was i love fitz in general, but like it wasn't until he makes the choice to go save the dude for who brings Hive back for uh, for Gemma. Like, oh, like yeah. that's the moment that I, I I like I fell in love with his character. Like it's like a Captain America level like moment for me because in the, the there's a couple versions of his of his origin that they capture really well in First Avenger, where Captain America is basically throwing a hissy fit because they won't let him serve. And he's like, he'd just seen this actual footage in this, they're propaganda films, but they showed actual footage of them yeah. like freeing people from camps and, and what was actually going on and the, you know, the ghettos and, 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 and throughout Eastern Europe and the rest of Europe as the Nazis were taking hold. And he's just kind of like, he was so moved. He, he wanted to help and they're telling him he can't help. And he's like, I will serve. He's like, I'm not leaving here until you tell me how I can serve until you let me help these people. And it's the same way where it's just like this, there's this selflessness it's like heartbreakingly admirable and it's like that's real heroism to me and he had that same moment when when like you know he just instantly gets up and for a second you think it's the d-bag move and you think he's like an entitled nice guy john cusack-esque character who's in love with Gemma, and he gets up and he's like and he starts doing stuff when she says that she didn't mean to fall in love with this guy but did she's like what are you doing he's like i'm getting him back like he didn't even question it like he didn't care about his feelings he cared about not just her feelings but saving the guy who saved her and like yeah. he's just that character is so noble and seeing these moments where he looks up to ward and he thinks ward, like ward is his personal captain america and he's his buddy and yeah. is treating him like like oh you're you're one of me you know we're we're the same we're, we're, we're friends and we're brothers and like they're bonding and then knowing what he does to him later like all the yeah. things he does to him later the emotional manipulation the meanness the pettiness the psychological manipulation the traumatic brain injury there's a lot of shit that he goes through through ward the ward puts in yeah well and it's even weirder when we get to post framework fits especially in season five and there's like all these (laughs) elements of like dude like you're becoming the man that you hated because like not only his father but ward essentially too just like being a piece of shit and it's so hard to watch and then at the very end of season five it just like culminates in his end and oh my god just what are you doing to us shield <laughs> just too many emotions through five seasons my god no i agree um, 
it's just that's a lot it's a lot it's so much so much uh war driven emotion like when this show started <laughs> i would never believe that or like like, no. like, I was like yeah sure the guy i hate no nope yeah. <laughs> yep. like the dude the looking smug guy smirk face nope <laughs> yeah. well you know what's interesting though is like yeah he started out as just like kind of a one-dimensional character he's just like yeah he's like the james bond dude that you kind of love to hate and he's just like typical like fitz says he always has to come in and save the day and he's so great well, he's and super american james bond in that first appearance with yeah. the, the slinky lady in the outfit and oh yeah all- yeah and then the extraction of him hanging from the helicopter rope like come on dude but he turns they really pull like oh they just do a number on him and it's like from a like narrative perspective it's really good it's like it's really really good he's He's one of those villains that you you don't even love to hate at this point like i don't want to hate him i don't want to love him i'm I'm resentful of how much emotion they've gotten out of me in a weird way but i appreciate it too because like that's the whole point of this stuff you know other than to make money and yeah. art is to make us feel and yeah. and they do a good job of it like it's all earned you know like like a lot of villains i feel like they do they they, they show his conflict enough and and how twisted up he is by other people and by his circumstances that you have empathy even though you can't forgive him i feel like as a viewer and that's yeah. like that's a powerful combo because eh? it, it requires emotional labor just to really participate in it because you're like you're having to negotiate these two feelings where you're resentful of this character for all the things he does and you hold him you, you don't stop holding him accountable but you also do see where he was he came came from came from and where it's yeah. not exactly it's not that it's not his fault he's a grown man making these choices but at the same time who the heck could come out of what he went through okay like nobody nobody's gonna come out with his childhood and then get, without get some serious therapy and a good mentor which he did not have <laughs> Ward needed like the character that he's playing for Fitz right now. Yeah, he needed Coulson to or, be honest, yeah, or Coulson <laughs> or May in his former yeah. instead of Garrett. You know, yeah. or or the comic book uh, said, well, either either zombie or good nice Mormon <laughs> guy. Either way, <laughs> it'd be preferable to the neo-Nazi <laughs> Hydra guy. Yeah, I was just thinking about how Hive dies. Yeah, and how. Um, even Sky's world is torn apart multiple times by Ward in many ways, and then she has to deal with coming, re-examining that relationship and the framework, and not being a part of the framework. Yeah, not Ugh. not having the memories. Everyone else having those memories, but her yeah. not like is super interesting. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, like her electric boyfriend, which I forget his name right now. <laughs> like he's the one who took Hive up in the plane in the Quinjet to kill. To, to be killed and so like ward i mean it wasn't ward at the time it was ward's body but he's the reason that he, he's gone too oh, no, you can't, she i don't think she can probably separate it entirely even though if she intellectually i i'm sure can you know like no yeah. one it's it, it's a, something i think about a lot with uh these sci-fi things like especially the, the, there's some very interesting uh blogs and podcasts like with real psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists mm-hmm. who analyze this stuff for fun and it's very fascinating <laughs> some some of the effects that this stuff would have if you if there were real shape changers like stuff well, we'd, be, we'd all be real messed seen, up have you seen altered carbon yes yeah so yeah we, yeah we, okay. we, we talked about it when it came out yeah yeah uh, it was your and kate's recommendation yes 
Um, well, there's like a whole element there when one of the characters like can't let go of her past like associations and relationship with this body. And like that body was like being used essentially to manipulate her. And like they kind of learned that throughout the whole season. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. But yeah, our um, spoiler section is also for the first season. <laughs> for everything. <laughs> Spoil everything. Um, all of the above. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, but yeah, there's like a whole like psychological element to that. Uh, and then at the very end of the season, like she like asks, you know, like to be able to keep that body with her. I, oh, it's so crazy. Like, but there is like a whole attachment element to that. Like you can't, you can intellectualize it, but you can't emotionally like get away from that. And I'm sure that Sky slash Daisy, um, would forever associate Hive and Ward as being the same person. She can't Ward just because Ward's dead and his body's around doesn't mean it's not still him to her to her brain. <laughs> yeah, to her emotional connections. Like even if even yeah. if she can totally make that connect that separation in her brain, it's not. It's you, you can't. It's hard. Not without a lot of therapy and conditioning. <laughs> That's the real lesson. Which apparently Shield Shield doesn't have available. Everyone's just going through trauma and no one's getting treated for it. It's real great. Well, well we we do we know the Shield therapist is an inhuman monster. <laughs> oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Made super cool ex husband who before oh he becomes God. an inhuman monster is a really cool dude. But yeah, oh, that's another ringer we get put through too. Oh, yeah. Their relationship God. is so sad. And like, there's no real bad guy until he becomes a literal bad guy. That's the best part of superhero yeah. stuff. <laughs> like, as cheesy as it is, eventually, like, like there's no bad guy in this situation. So somebody's yeah. gonna get bitten by a radioactive something, <laughs> like, and become yeah. a bad guy, so that we have something yep. to hit because we're we're all just yep. really emotionally broken. <laughs> yep, and we just need to let out our feelings uh, through combat. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine or- if you were like like all of us real life Peter Parkers? Everybody who's got this big resentment towards uh, uh, super the, the super rich, like just getting able to mm-hmm. being able to not just beat up a rich dude, but like literally your your rich friend's dad who always annoyed you. <laughs> I like just getting to beat him to a pulp. Like like right? that's some catharsis it's, right there. It really is. So speaking of Spider Man and Peter Parker, I bought the PS4 Spider Man game. Uh, and I've been playing it by the time this comes out, this episode comes out, it will be like a month, probably longer than that. Yeah, it'll be just about, it'll be probably be just about, yeah. oh gosh, maybe two be a little longer. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, it's a great game and I haven't, I'm not like super into Spider-Man at all. So I haven't like really been like in that universe. I mean, I know Spider-Man has been around like in like mainstream pop culture for forever just because of all the reboots well, yeah, and it's the um, biggest i think uh, until iron man was unquestionably the yeah. biggest marvel property yeah like like we had, we had the cartoon when we were kids but so did like yeah. my, my oldest brother and then they had like the t there was a tv show both in japan and in america in the 70s like oh man i'm fascinated by by, by uh the japanese spider-man uh, uh it, it oh. got an alien from the planet spider was found oh, by a young by a teenage boy in Japan who I believe is a motorcycle racer, maybe a race car driver. I can't re- remember. But uh, amongst other things, he finds this dying alien from the planet Spider. He gives him a uh, a bracelet that when he wears it, it will it can connect him to his Spider suit, and, like put on the Spider Man suit and give him his powers. 
and also uh, gives him his own uh, mecha. He has a giant robot called Leopardon that is a, like, just Voltron. He has his own Voltron. And that's what they did with Spider-Man in Japan. They made it better. (laughs) Unquestionably amazing. I think it's all on YouTube. They used to have it on the Marvel website for a long time, but I think uh, Rights Issues with Japan uh, made it. Because I think they have to license certain aspects from the Japanese company that like co-produced it. Like, like uh, it's like a shared thing, kind of like Sony and, and Spider-Man now. Yeah. But, uh, I'll have to, I'm going to have to go check that it's, out. I highly um, recommend it. Every once in a while, I'll see someone post a GIF from one of the episodes and they're like, where is this from? Like, what is this? Because <laughs> it's just a weird scene in like, in what looks like a Japanese sitcom from the seventies, but Spider-Man's there and it's kind right. of awesome. But, uh, that's no, Spider-Man cool. is so big, like, he's always been around for sure. So he's in he's in yeah. the ether, even if you're not a big fan. Like, everybody kind of knows who he is. Like, like Superman. Most people haven't actually yeah. read a Superman comic, or a lot of people haven't ever seen a show or a movie, but they still know who he is. Or, yeah, or how definitely. Captain America used to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I've heard the name <laughs> Captain America. I have an idea that it's a superhero dressed in a flag. Like, 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 like <laughs> that's all it was before, but... Or the motorcycle, you know, and uh, he's a rider. But, ne- but now he's actually uh, it's like mainstream. It's kind of satisfying and super gratifying to me. But also still just the Iron Man thing I'll never get over. But everyone I know, every little kid and old person on the planet knows who Iron Man is. You would have told me that when, was I was like eight, when I was eight years old, yeah. I would have called you a liar. I would have never believed. I, I would, there's no way I would have believed anyone. Like you could have time traveled me here and I would have been like, nice. I've been to Universal Studios. I've been on Star Tours. This is great. Yeah. Take me back to reality because this is never happening. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. And and to think that Iron Man kind of started this whole train. It, like it, it's what made it I don't know. It, it 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 in a weird way it is, but like we forget that there was Blade and X-Men yeah. before that. But, but it it was different, even though those were always yeah. huge. This was like this was the beginning of the trend. This and, and it was the beginning of the cinematic universe idea being what it is. Yeah. Like before that. What do we have? Aliens versus Predator. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. The height of yep. the height of American culture is, Amer- is Aliens versus Predator. Good lord! Oh man. Well, I think that's all I've got yeah. for this episode. Um, yeah, there's nothing else it, that I can think of. We'll get more of uh, those characters like Sitwell and Hand throughout this season. Yeah, which is which is exciting. Uh, yeah, there's some some crazy shit that's about to go down. And Sitwell's uh, going to be our, our, well, our again our cool connection to the movies because that yeah. motherfucker is Hydra. So after yep. Soldier, we're gonna we're gonna be a, a have him as a nice villain. Yep, which will be fun. So with that, um, thank you guys for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Uh, you can find us um, on Twitter at Project Tahiti. You can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. I am at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. What about you? I am I Snow Nothing on Twitter. It's like I and Snow and nothing but without a G at the end. Awesome. Excellent. So thanks again. Thank you. Catch you guys later. Bye.